Here we are in another episode of the Ice Team Podcast. We're at the Dakota Angler Ice Institute. It's the final day. We've been grinding it out for two days here. The show kicks off in about five minutes, so you might not see a giant crowd right this second because they can't come in for five minutes. But I got uh, co-host here, Jason Durham. You guys all know Jason Durham. Five uh, super exciting. Five minute warning. Five minute warning. See, I wasn't lying. And we got a special guest, Don Cox, all the way from Mullen, Nebraska. Now, we're going to go over a whole bunch of fun stuff today. Absolutely. I'm excited. You guys pumped? I'm you bet. really excited. You know, right now on the show floor, it's so quiet. Yeah. But what we typically see on Sundays, it's not as busy for sure. the rush as it is on Friday and Saturday. People yeah. want to get here so fast. But right behind us, we've got some freebies. Yep. And we're excited to see everybody come by as the show opens this morning. Yeah. So the first uh, slew of people get a free bucket from Clam Outdoors. Um, it's kind of a spectacle at times. At some shows, they fight for them. <laughs> it's insane. Uh, it's, it's, we always joke about the power of the bucket, that what people will do for a bucket. It Absolutely. is insane. You know, I have a couple in my garage. Like, if you want to come over and mow my grass, I'll give you a bucket. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> you can never have enough five-gallon buckets. I mean, think of all the purposes you have for them. Right. Carrying stuff. Yep. Putting fishing gear in, minnows. Feed cattle. <laughs> Carrying stuff. <laughs> uh, filling with snow. <laughs> Whatever. And like Don I've, would say, feed cattle. Feed cattle. But anytime you need a five-gallon bucket, it's kind of like, where is one? Right. Well, if you got a bunch of them. Mm-hmm. And there's great promos going on at all these shows, so uh, people can actually go home with a bucket uh, based off of what they purchase and certain things. Uh, but, no, that pile right there, that beautiful wall, is given to the first group that grabs them, uh, c- customers. Right. Uh, it's funny because at some shows, like especially like St. Paul, we have all the vendors that come running up to the clam booth trying to grab a bucket, and we actually have to guard them. There's some, yeah, you you know, hey, there's Todd right there. You know, here's Todd. the promoter going, of this what's show. What's going on here? I, I don't understand what's going on. <laughs> we're, we're all, we might get shut down here. Todd Heidenkamp, he runs the uh, Dakota Angler Ice Institute, um, and we're kicking off the Ice Team podcast. Well, I'm you know, grateful for you guys to be here. I'm yeah. grateful for uh, everything that you guys have done and grateful for the partnership that we have with Ice Team as well. Absolutely. This guy Thanks, has Todd. been working. I can't fathom how much hours you've put into this podcast <laughs> well, or, or the, the show. show. So, yeah. Yeah. The show. Uh, it's a year-long process. Yeah. I, I can remember when we first started out, it was maybe a month-long process. It's turned into a year-long process. <laughs> so, But, it, you know, it's great to see everything come together and uh, the great attendance and the support from the community support from the vendors the companies it's fantastic yeah and i always i love this show for many reasons but i think it's so unique because what a lot of the consumers might not understand we do is this is all todd's this is all your stuff so you're moving all of this stuff from your store into this venue so everything we're working off of whether we're clam whether we're working the vexlar booth whether whatever it might be is all stuff that todd's brought over from his store so if you really grasp that if you come to a venue like this and look at what you've done wow it fills the entire convention <laughs> center it's, it's unreal so. that's why i have no hair anymore. <laughs> How, how's your sleep schedule these days i thought you know, the hair was just from the uh, south dakota wind well that's true too you know there's no doubt about that we've had plenty of that but you know again i think that's why i've always said matt and guys that uh, this show is like none other mm-hmm. uh, we are a mom and pop shop that is putting on an ice fishing show, and all the inventory is coming from us. Yep. All the other shows are not like that. And then it's nice to be able to say, you know, like for you, Jason or Don, you, you, we're working with a customer, and you go up and say, hey, this is the rod I use, or this is the shack I use. You yeah. can just 
walk them to the register and they buy it right there and and they're a happy customer. I love it. And so. I remember we were just reminiscing on some of the first Dakota Angler Ice Institutes um, back in your shop, transitioning to a, you know a community hall to a church, yep. now to the Sioux Falls Arena. Like I remember some of the first ones to where it is now. Like this is a very substantial show. Yes, yeah. it is awesome. So. Man, and speaking I, of that, I have to go I, open up the door, so yeah, don't get run over. Yeah. I'm surprised we even got you, but hey, we'll <laughs> yeah. take it. That's Take great. care again. Yeah. Thanks for everything. Thanks, Thanks Todd. Todd. You know, so. one, one of the things that this show was initially built on, the foundation of this show, the Ice Institute, was that it was educating anglers. Yeah. And, and it still is, even though the whole retail part of it has grown substantially, that educational piece of it still holds true. Right. So there's seminars going on all weekend, but this isn't the only show that does that. Right. I mean, if you come to an event like this, don't just plan to come in and get a really good deal. The show is open. The show is open. But plan to spend some time at the show and take in some of these seminars. You'll get information that, I mean, is invaluable. Right. And I, and I love it because, like, we just talked about the first seminars or the first years. I remember going to the gymnasiums and the auditoriums that he would rent out for different venues to have this event. And it was built off seminars. Like it's the, it's the ice Institute. That was his initial push was you looked at all these shows that had seminars and whatnot, but he's like, the initial thought I know was to make it about the education. And I'll tell you what, I gave a seminar yesterday. We're losing Durham in about 40 minutes because he's given a <laughs> seminar. They're packed. Like yeah. it is, they are very, very well attended um, which is awesome. That's like the message behind Ice Team, right, is education, teaching people what do you want to know, what do you want to learn, and uh, these seminars are, are rock solid. Yeah, and, and if you have anything that you ever want to know, here's the best part, is that every one of these seminar speakers runs it like I run my classroom. Right. If you have a question about something, you can literally interrupt the seminar and go, hey, what about this? Yeah, very informal. Yeah. It's not a... No. You get interrupted it in kindergarten? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the best part is at the end of the seminars, there's no quiz or anything. So if you do happen to oh. close your eyes and take a quick That's nap. a good idea. <laughs> Quizzes after the seminar. There you go. <laughs> for prizes. Yeah. Um, we won't call it a quiz. We'll call it a yeah. game show. Here's a question for you, Jason, because yeah. um, we're going to drill Don a whole oh, bunch yeah. today. How many seminars have you given on ice fishing in your lifetime? Oh, my God. <laughs> I, I have no idea. I have yeah. no idea. And it ranges from... You know, large venues to Cub Scout troops. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've I've done days on the ice with groups, and and yeah, I are those I your favorite? Do you like those? I don't have a favorite. I, I like them all, and the diversity of the people that you meet. You meet people that have ice fished their entire lives who know a lot about it, and you learn from them too. Yeah, because a lot of times I'll ask questions during the seminars. Hey, what do you do about this? One of the most interesting seminars I ever did though was here at the Ice Institute, sure. where I did a seminar in reverse, where I let the crowd lead the seminar. Yeah. So I would have somebody pose a question, you know, what's something that you want to know about ice fishing? And we solved it. I said, we've got a group of very educated, smart, experienced anglers. What's a question? One of the first questions that came up was, do you know a good line tying tool? Well, sure. I, I don't, because I don't use line tying tools. Yeah. And... The, the guy that asked the question said, I'm asking this because I only have one arm. 
Oh, wow. And, and so I asked the crowd, you know, does anybody know of anything? And sure enough, there was a guy that said, you know what, I've got really bad arthritis and I require it to tie knots. And here's the one that I use. And those guys connected afterwards and shared information. That's what it is. The whole ice fishing community is about sharing information. Sure. Those buckets are almost gone. I know. That it's, took seconds. Yeah. yeah. You know, I'll tell you what, like, um, I've sat in on some of your guys' seminars and I learned stuff too. And I think that's, let's talk sports shows in general, right? Like, like we got Don here from Nebraska, right? You don't want to talk about picking someone's brain on a cool body of water or fishery. And we're going to get to some of the stuff because you travel all over, but I've always encouraged people at any show, granted we're sitting at one is one of the biggest advantages of a show in my opinion. Yeah, sure. You can get a good deal on stuff, but if you can like, I can't pan the camera, but if you did, I think we have pros from 10 different States here. Oh, and that's yeah. like every show. Yep. Where you come here and take advantage of the information that's here, right? We do it with each other. I mean, we've already talked fishing two, three times in the last couple days on what's going to work this year. What are you thinking? What about that? Ice is starting to form. You know, so like we're going to jump in a little bit about shows specifically today at some point during this podcast because it just is a very relevant topic. We're only into the kind of the wee hours of show season, right? (laughs) Oh, yeah. We got a whole bunch of shows left. Yep. Uh, in stores, so whether it's a, a show, whether it's an in store, same thing. So whether you stop at your local retailer on a busy day, and and there's a guy or gal in a jersey, you know, don't be timid. Right. Go up to him and say, hey, here's some questions. This is this is the time. Yep. And I'll tell you what, not to brag about the individuals, whether it's Jason or Don or anyone. You got Rod here. Hey, there's Gens. Yeah. You know, just there's Dave Gens just, just hanging there hanging out. out. If you don't take the opportunity to come up and talk to someone, you don't have it. And I'll tell you what, I can speak on behalf of both of you and the rest of this team because I know this. You're very approachable. You want to talk fishing with people. Yeah, we love to that's talk fishing. That's why you're yeah, here. That, yeah. So, you know, that's one of the advantages of sports shows. For sure. So, super pumped up. But we are down to seven or six or seven buckets. That's eight. I can count really fast. Yeah, he, well, he, yeah, that's the kindergarten math, and, and uh, we start with 50, and we're down pretty quick. So uh, here we are at the Dakota Angler Ice Institute doing another podcast. I got Jason Durham here and Don Cox, if you're tuning in. Don drove in from Mullen, Nebraska. Jason drove down from Park Rapids, Minnesota. I came over from the Twin Cities. Again, to reiterate, none of those distances are close to where we are right now, so we're here because it's a labor of love. We're excited to talk fishing. If you are tuning in now, um, we're going to lose Durham here for a seminar in a bit, which is part of the beauty of these sports shows is that, uh, you know, we have guys that come in and do this. You know, we're tinkering with stuff. You know, one thing about shows, too, is we find new ways to do things. And and whether it's gear-driven, whether it's tactic-driven, I always find myself finding new ways to incorporate whatever. So whether it's talking to to a pro or talking to a consumer. So one thing I love about shows is, yeah, we get to rub elbows with my buddies. But I get to talk to consumers. Exactly. And on this show particularly, I think you guys have been coming to this probably longer than me. Uh, it's not, I don't think I was at some of the very, very first ones, I think, in his store. I think you might have been there. Don, I think this is an old guy joke. I think no, it no, is. I, I, yeah, I yeah. yeah, you guys are older than me. But, but one thing I thought was cool is like yesterday I talked to a kid that was probably 10 that remembered some of the conversation we had last year. Oh, yeah. Yep. I, I had multiple people like that. Not like, even just last year. Multiple. How awesome yep. is that? Yeah, and they keep coming back year after year. Yeah. That's that's enjoyable. Don, yeah. Don, how many years have you been doing shows? Uh, 20. 20 years. Oh, geez, yeah. 
That's I'm, a while. I'm just about there too. Yeah. Let, maybe you want to touch on quick, you know, the, maybe some people listening or following along, um, maybe not, might not know your full history. Like, so how did you get involved with ice team initially? And, uh, we know where you are now, of course, but like, how did you first get involved with Ice Team? How'd that story come about? Well, it started clear back in the, I want to say late nineties. I got to I got to following Dave Gintz, and then I found out he was coming to the Nebraska Sandhills fishing big bluegill in my backyard, and I said, I'm gonna go when that guy's going. So I somehow I connected. There was a friend, uh, Steve Isom, oh, yeah. in Valentine. He had a friend that was uh, Paul Casanova's friend. And so they got connected, and so I got a fish with Dave, and I, I'm sure he didn't remember me, but I remember that day very well. And so then later on, he started the tournaments, the trap attacks. Did you catch fish that day? I don't think I, I don't remember if I caught a fish. I really don't. <laughs> he was with Dave. <laughs> yeah, I, was, I, I certainly didn't catch a two-pound bluegill, but, but you, I just. But you've caught two-pound bluegills out there. I, yes, there is two-pound bluegill in, the, in that Pelican Lake. That was that's what brought Dave to to the Sandhills. Yeah. So, yeah, and then after that, I started going to the tournaments. My brother-in-law and I, we started going to the trap attacks, and after that, you catch some, history. You catch some checks? We had a good time. Yeah, did we did well. all right. Yeah. We did Listen all right. to it being modest. Yeah. Okay, I saw a picture of, I don't know if it was your garage or man cave or whatever. I saw a lot of plaques on the wall. Yeah. Yeah, that wood that was pretty special. Yeah. yeah, and maybe you want to fish in for the wood. Yeah. I don't know if you want to tell people what that is. So in the original original trap attacks, Dave would make a plaque, hand carved it out of a, a piece of uh, pine, and then it had the the outline of a, a flip over one man shack, the his scout. Yeah, I just have this image of my in my head of Dave like sitting on a five gallon bucket with a little jackknife whittling out this trophy. I know, yeah, yeah. I know, yeah. he might have done that he for might've. the first one because yeah. I know, I know back then. It was the newsletter that existed. Yep. Facebook didn't exist. No, there was no. It was a newsletter I would get in the mail as, as a yep. high school, middle school kid. And I remember seeing the importance of the wood. Yep. Like, and if, I, if I remember right, you guys would win like 10 grand. For the championship. The, but it didn't matter. You fished for the wood. Yeah, the, the qualifying tournaments, you'd, you'd fish for prizes. You'd yeah. fish for a, for a Vexlar or a trap yeah. or a... Yeah, there was no money involved until you got to the championship, and you had to qualify at the champion championship. Yeah. Yeah. So to get to the championship. Yeah, and on our last podcast, I sat down with Dave, and we told a little bit of the story of the trap attacks. We didn't jump into it too much, but we touched on the importance of it at the time when they would go and, I guess you can say, infiltrate a new city that they didn't know what a Vexlar was. Exactly. They didn't know what a Strike Master Auger was. They didn't know what a Clam Fish House. They didn't know any of that stuff that was right. a part of it back then. And they would leave yearning for it, and then you'd come back in a year, and everyone had it, you know? Absolutely. There's great stories. Yeah. So, so our, my story, the, our very first trap attack tournament was in Alexandria. Okay. And we fished. Uh, Minnesota, was, that is. Yeah, Minnesota, yeah. yeah. And uh, we were fishing uh, the two little lakes north of town, Louise. Yep. So, so we were on Lake Louise, and... Uh, we thought we could fish bluegills, bluegill only tournament. My brother-in-law. And I. We uh, come in eleventh place, and they only take the top ten. Yeah, but we learned a lot. Yeah, that was the Aquavusa just came out. They just come out with the uh, FL18. Both of those things were very instrumental in in our next 
tournament because we come back the next time with an FL18 fish and perch at uh, Wild Bay, South Dakota, and won that tournament. Yep. Wow. <laughs> Bottom zoom. <laughs> yeah. I remember when yeah. that came out, yeah, it was, was like a huge deal. Oh, yeah. Oh, it, 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 it set the bar that still in many ways hasn't been raised. Right. You know, that bottom zoom technology, the bottom lock technology, everything that they came out with that 18. I remember my dad and I saved up for an FL8 SLT that I built on a wood box after reading it in Fisherman Magazine. And then I think a few years later, that 18 came out. I'm like, yeah, right, man. That was, you your, that was your first, I wouldn't say letdown, but your first experience with the advancements in technology yep. and how quickly it changes. Now I'm let down every month. I, yeah, exactly. It's crazy how fast it changes. Well, Don, you know, you talked about a little bit about your fishing background in Nebraska and how you got to where you're at, but you do other things out there too. We do other things. <laughs> I'm, I'm a rancher by occupation. Yep. I'm on. I'm the fourth generation on a ranch from when they homesteaded it there in the in the early 1900s. So, Don, you know, you and I have known each other for a long time, and you might not know this about me. But I'm really not a ranch type of guy. <laughs> I've seen you eat ranch dressing. Yeah, a lot. <laughs> a lot of Especially it. around wings. <laughs> but, I mean, you've got cattle there. Yes, sir. How many head? Uh, so the correct answer is we have enough cows to eat the grass that we have. <laughs> That's and, a good answer. And so, a- so the next question is, well, so uh, how much grass do you have? Yeah. And then you say, I have enough grass to feed the cows that I have. Yeah. Oh, that's a good. That's a good <laughs> I, I, I'm going to get my dream at some point. Uh, there will be a video produced by Ice Team at some point where Don rides in on a horse. <laughs> yeah, we have with, a, dr- with a drill plate, the whole nine yards in an ice armor suit. Have you ever caught a fish off of a horse? I have not. Okay. Yeah. I that was not. one of my other questions. I'm just so proud that I actually knew the lingo. How many head of cattle <laughs> instead of just like how many how many cows do you have? <laughs> yeah, uh, you did well there. Yeah. yeah. I'm just happy you didn't make the noise. Well, <laughs> yet. Uh, we got a special guest here, Don. You might know this one. Yeah, this is uh, my second son, Tristan. He also lives in Mullen there with us on the ranch. Yep, yep. I'm out there ranching. I'll uh, actually day work for a bunch of neighbors and stuff uh, just when we kind of have a little slower time on the ranch, which is not very often. Sure. Um, but, yeah, just out there, you know, living the dream. Yep. So our summers are really busy ranching, but then the winters uh, – we kind of slow down a little bit so you can get, we can get our feeding done on our, on our short days every other day is a long and a short day feeding so yeah it's oh. all uh drawn straws to see who actually gets to go fishing on the long feed days sure yeah. <laughs> so one of us has to stay home but the rest of us you know you can take off and go fishing so well that's what i love about the, this show because this is the one time i get to see all of you yeah and i love it and i'll tell you what like i'll toot i'll toot the cock fancy horn real quick here and i say that because you might be the hardest working family we have at these shows. I don't know about yeah. that. Say, I mean, like, and you guys have, there's no quit. You're always working hard. Uh, you're never looking for downtime. You're always looking for something to do. Uh, and I'm guessing that comes from your background. That's what that's we do. Pro- we yeah. work. Yeah, that's, that's how you are at home. And, <laughs> yeah. and, you know, knowing, understanding Don over the years, uh, work ethic. You can't replace work ethic, you know. So, like, right now, Tristan is working, I think, two booths. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm hope, working over in Vexlar, uh, yeah. you know, selling K drills, selling Vexlar's helping yep. there. And then, you know, if I step in and help claim whenever you guys need a little help over here, which we are fairly well staffed yeah. at this event. But, yeah. but it's always fun. I mean, For sure. Well, well, what's enjoyable about about this show in particular, coming here to Sioux Falls, as we relate 
to a lot of people here too. So we enjoy the show, talk, visiting with other ranchers and, and, and people in agriculture too. So And there's yep. a lot of people from Nebraska that attend this show. A lot of people oh, yeah. from Nebraska. Yeah. I got neighbors that showed up. I didn't know they were coming. Yeah. There they is, are. Is that who we met yesterday? Yeah. 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 So catching Tristan, muskies. They were catching yeah, muskies. Yeah, they were yeah. showing yeah. us pictures of muskies. Tristan, I got a couple questions for you. One was when you were growing up and you're very, very young, was it was it ever was it just implied like this is what we do with the ranch? Or were there days where you're like, no, Dad, I don't want to go and do this? Oh, there's always those days. <laughs> those still exist? Oh, yeah. Oh, they still exist. Yeah. You know, fencing isn't too bad for the most part, of, for most of the time. But, you know, once it starts drying out and Dad's like, well, we got to go put a few more posts in, it takes a long time to dig through some really solid concrete kind of ground. Oh, yeah. You, you really don't want to go do that. And it didn't get any better as I got older. So, yeah, there's definitely days you don't want to be out there. Yeah. So when you got involved in fishing, I'm sure it was at a young age as well. Oh, yeah. Uh, so what are some of your fondest memories getting involved? Let's, let's, let's call it ice fishing particularly. What really got you hooked in that? First 10-inch bluegill I pulled out of a hole. How old were you? I was seven and a half, maybe eight. When I truly realized that it was an 8-inch bluegill, that it was a trophy bluegill. I mean, I'm sure I caught plenty before that. Yeah. But, yeah, the first time you pull that out with your own rod and reel, your own, you tie it on your own jig, you bait your own... No, we still have all the all the photos. There was a lake that we were fishing at that yeah. time, yeah. and those bluegill were they were very nice. Big oh man! And every all the boys caught ten inch bluegills. Yeah. Did you catch a ten incher when you were seven and a half? Durham? No, no, <laughs> not that I remember. I, you know, I may have, but it didn't stand out like that because we never looked at fish like trophies. Really, right. I mean, just the way that I grew up, we were catching fish for food. Sure. So. Yep. Oh, I can remember doing a lot of that, too. <laughs> Pushing the old uh, dog sled with a 75-pound wood box on the back of it with an old Jiffy Auger, and it was it was a lot of hard work. And yep. the, the way that, I mean, just in my lifetime, seeing how much the fishing industry has evolved and how much our fishing has changed, it's just absolutely amazing. And... It's it's been a really fun experience. Yeah. You might have a you might have a good story to tell about Jason Mitchell when you were in junior high. Is that when you went with oh. with us up to Devil's Lake? Yeah, yeah. To so a tournament. Yeah. So we were we went up to the one of the old uh, trap attacks up at Devil's Lake. One of the few years I did it up there, and yeah, I was I don't know 13, 14 at the time, and we're wandering around bait store there and, and at Woodlands Resort. Yeah, yeah, at Woodlands there, and Mitchell walks in and he's kind of he's like, well. What's he doing today? Because Dad and Uncle Dave were out getting ahead out pre-fishing, and the weather was just brutal. I mean, it was windy, cold. Like, it was Devil's Lake. Yeah, yeah. yeah we all know Devil's Lake. Just Devil's Lake. And Dad's like, well, he's just going to go pre-fish with us. And Mitchell's like, well, does he want to come video with us? He and Tony Dean were, yep. were videoing <laughs> yeah. that day. How about that? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, so, and at the time, like, I kind of knew who Mitchell was just from stories from Dad and Dave, but that was the first time I <laughs> oh met <boy>. Mitchell. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then... uh but at the time, like, I didn't really know who Tony Dean was. And then we got out there, and we were fishing. And, I mean, it was a fun experience. It was kind of tough fishing that day, but we caught a handful of fish. So it was it was always definitely, it was a good adventure. But I got back, and Dad's like, do you know who you were fishing with? I'm like, well, yeah, Jason. And like, well, do you know who Tony Dean was? I'm like, not really. And he went on to explain, and I'm just like, oh, that guy was kind yeah. of a pretty neat guy to know. Legendary. Legendary, yeah. yeah For absolutely. sure. Yeah. yeah. And I didn't tell him. You know, go or not go. I says, you make your own decision when it's time, you know, whether you want to go filming or not or whether you want to go pre-fishing. 
He says, yeah, I'll go filming with Jason. Yeah. <laughs> I would have done the same thing. And, and again, for anyone listening, we're, uh, we're here at the Dakota Angler Ice Institute. You might hear some ambient noise behind us because the show is going on. So this is not uh, a green screen behind us. That is Dave Gens sitting there hanging out with Scott Merwin. There are people here buying and going crazy. So you may hear some stuff. We got line winders going behind Durham over here. There sounds like a car is taking off at times. And, and I don't even know how much everyone can pick up, but it's, it's a show. Yep. It's going. It's busy. That's the idea behind it. And All got, the buckets are gone. Buckets are gone. We got Tristan here um, from Mullen, Nebraska, one of Don's kids here chatting, fishing. We learned he caught a giant bluegill already. Uh, first experience was showing Jason Mitchell up on some TV programs, <laughs> uh, which I know. Um, but, no, it's it's awesome. You know, it's such a great day to be able to utilize some of these, I can't say younger kids, but if you look at our staff, which is so great, in my opinion, that I really tried hard to work towards is, not just youth, but bringing the family aspect in. Yeah, you know yep. when you probably love the fact that you're here with your three boys. Absolutely. And I know like Chantel Whitstruck and Jared are here with their two kids yep. yesterday. Like, you know, and you're seeing. I have my kid here. I haven't heard anything break yet, but he's here. So like, that's a big, big to me, a big deal. Sure. To not just have you know six, call it grown men, whatever, uh, in shirts, stoic, selling stuff. It's family friendly we push that environment and ice team and uh um, that's so cool so so what are, what's something if you had to give us one piece of advice from your perspective on the ice fishing season let's say this year what would it be um staying mobile i mean that's that's big thing that we've always been big advocates of i mean especially fishing our our waters you gotta stay mobile stay on the fish because we're fishing shallow waters with, with a lot of area to cover so staying mobile is definitely I think a big key to success. Sure. And you're fishing like more like prairie lakes, right? Yeah, like exactly. dishpan lakes yep. where there's yep. probably not as much structure. Exactly. Well, uh, Tristan, for those that aren't familiar with Nebraska, what are you typically looking at for conditions? Are you, do you ever have a lot of snow? Are you, are you cutting through a lot of ice? When does the ice form? So it's, it's actually, it varies quite a bit in our part of the world. I mean, there's some years where we're going to have, you know, a foot and a half, two foot of snow, which isn't much compared to like Minnesota and you get out on like the Front Range Mountains and stuff too. But, but it's enough snow that it's a challenge. Uh, but, I mean, you walk on these lakes and they're very, they're spring fed. So there's actually some pockets where you got to be careful. You got to know what you're reading on the ice. Uh, but like our ice conditions are usually, um, we'll start for sure fishing usually by the first of the year. Um, this year we're actually going to have ice hopefully by next weekend, so that's pretty exciting. Well, that'd be way cool. Yeah. Is that the earliest that you can think of in a while? For quite a while. We've, I think I've fished Nebraska twice in my entire life in November, and it's usually right around Thanksgiving. So this will be one of the earliest times I can actually remember getting on the ice. I don't know, Dad, do you have any other memories? Yeah, we've fished Halloween before. Those oh. little shallow lakes, oh. they, yeah. they uh, doesn't take long to cool them off and sure. freeze up. Yep. So that's, that's not much different than northern Minnesota. I mean, yeah. we usually bank on creeping out on those small, shallow lakes right on Black Friday. Yep. Yep. So, Tristan, I got a question for you, and uh, I, I, I apologize in advance. Okay. Um, with chores at home, ranch and all that stuff, have you ever smudged a bit so you can get out fishing a little oh, sooner? I, like I mean... Oh, I want to hear the answer to this one. <laughs> have, you ever, have you ever, like... Cut, cut a corner of hair so you can get on the ice a little bit. You know, maybe you didn't feed Dolly today. Instead, you just fed Tommy. Yeah, the, the post is this much higher than you know, the rest uh, of I, them. I, I, th I think you, your dad's wingspan can't reach you from there. Yeah, but. yeah I think I'm safe, but oh, yeah. absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, there's been 
maybe only one or two times that I'm willing to remember. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you might you might f- drive a little faster when you're feeding the calves, <laughs> so they're spread out a little further. But you did get all the feed in front of them because that is an important thing to yeah. have out there. But you definitely, it's probably a little longer line than what it needs to be. Yeah. And you might not have gone back through to count to make sure every single one was there. It might have been a real quick like, well, that looks like the, you know, the, <laughs> the amount that was supposed to be in here. Yeah. So That was the answer I was hoping for. <laughs> well, yeah. Tristan, I was, I was talking with your dad briefly. I don't remember when it was, a year ago probably. I was reading this article, and I don't remember what publication it was in, but it was talking about this race. Mm-hmm. And it was where you live. And it's riding in cattle tanks down a river. Yeah. What, I can't what, believe what, he read yeah, that. I, I, I texted to my buddies and I said, I, we need to go out and do this. It sounded like a riot. Everybody needs to do oh, that. Oh, absolutely. You need to come out and do the uh, polar tank races. And you, it's literally you're getting in a stock tank. And it's it's a fastest time down the river, and it's what like a two and a half mile run or something. We'll have to ask Zach when yeah. he jumps on because he's done it. He's actually done it. I've I've been out there to watch it, but I'm like I don't think I really need. <laughs> That's to be how we're starting. But have you conversation? Have you gone to like watch it? And, oh yeah, oh yeah. Is there see. a lot of people that come into town for this? Yes, there, yeah. It actually brings a lot of people in. It's it's pretty impressive, uh, and it's it's hilarious because it's not like a lot of the. A lot of these guys are just sitting in the tank floating down. Like, they have paddles out there, and they are working their butts off to get down this <laughs> river as fast as they can. Now, are they are, – are there some paddles provided? Are they using – are they bringing, like, professional they'll, oh, grade? They'll, they're bringing, like, aluminum reinforced paddles so they can paddle down the river, push off trees. You know, if they get it stuck in the sand, they aren't breaking it. And Oh, yeah, it's, they're, it's serious. It's, it's kind of turned into a pretty competitive thing, yeah. yeah. But yeah. it's also a little bit of a party, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. If you, if you don't have a beer in the tank, you're probably doing it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a summer thing. That's that's the big push in the summer. Everybody tanks in the summer. This yeah. is just they an call event it they tanks. Can't, they have a yeah. term for it. Oh, yeah, yeah you're tanking. tanking in the yeah. summer. They, they yeah. mentioned that in the article, yeah, and absolutely. I thought, I've never heard of this before. This is wild. Yeah, it's it's straight-up stock tanks, like big steel round stock tanks with a bottom in them. Like That's what we used to water our cattle out of. Yeah. And one guy from Mullen decided, you know what? If we can put water in them, I'm sure that we can sit in them and put them on the water. And so it's actually a big tourist attraction for Mullen now is the fact that, you know, in the summertime, they jump in these stock tanks and you float down the river and have a good time. It's just like tubing, except, you know, you can all you can put six to eight people in a tank. And you don't have to paddle. The, the Loop River where we live moves along at probably two miles an hour or something like so. Nice, casual little. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's oh, yeah. A, it sounds like this ride I've been on at Valley Fair. The flume? No, no, no. <laughs> no, because these are round cattle tanks, oh. so it's spinning around. Thunder, oh, yeah. Thunder oh, yeah, Canyon? I, I, don't, I haven't been Thunder there since Canyon. I was a teenager. You, you, your experience <laughs> well, with I this, I haven't man. been to Valley Fair in 25 years. I haven't either. And I think it was like Thunder Canyon. It could be. Remember the flume? I don't know. The I flume been there is a log. Does anybody ever ride a log down the river? <laughs> I have. We all well, have on accident. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's usually not intentional, but you know it has happened. Well, what's the population of Mullen? Four hundred and what ninety four people? Is that the last census? Yeah, so that's that's like about the size of Nevis, where I teach. Yep. Yeah. We don't have rivers to go down cattle tanks. <laughs> you need to we that we out. have all the trees. We have, we we do have rivers. Don't get me wrong. We do have rivers. Of tubing's a big thing. Uh, but we'll we don't we don't have enough cattle to have the tanks, whereas you don't have enough trees to have the wood <laughs> that's, for the yeah that's, logs. That's a good point. Right. We could barter. Yeah. <laughs> you might start a new 
enterprise. This is not a bad idea. You could have an enterprise, yeah. You could probably hook me up with some cattle tanks. We got Durham's wheels turning, and it's (laughs) It's 1026 in the morning on a Sunday. (laughs) Well, Tristan, I know you got to keep rolling. Uh, Tristan's, uh, like I said, man in the Vexlar booth, the K-Drill booth. He's bouncing back and forth to Clam, getting after it. So this was awesome. Sounds good. Really appreciate you coming on, man, and, you know, keep kicking some butt at the show. I know you will. And you're not – I'll find you later today. You know that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, thanks, brother. All right, Get to work. You got it, man. <laughs> Get to work. Uh, so, that's funny. So, we got we to gotta pepper Zach now. It sounds like he's actually done the tank ride. He's coming in right now going, what did I get? Yeah, yeah he doesn't know what happened. Into. So, I don't know if you want to introduce our next yeah. guest, Don. So, this is my oldest son, Zach. He, uh, he's ranch on the ranch with me as well. Yep. Perfect. And uh, we're just going to get right into it with you. Tristan alluded that uh, there's this popular thing going on in Mullen where you ride cattle tanks down the river, and he said he's never done it, but you have. Oh, yeah. we. Uh, so, so they actually have a race every year, and I thought it would be a good idea. A bunch of friends of mine, and we got in it and uh, decided, well, it, we're just going to oh, – I thought it was a nice relaxing deal. Little did I know, the guys I got in with are very, very competitive. <laughs> they, they had the reinforced paddles. They had all the stuff. Oh, yeah. yeah. And they came up. They had knee pads on. I'm like, well, what do we need that for? <laughs> These well, guys, this is serious. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it got real serious real fast. Yeah. So normally it takes, oh, two to three hours to kind of float down nice. Like, we got in there. Our time was just under an hour. We paddled the entire time. And a stock tank is not... Does not go straight down the no, river. No, yeah. it's like a. <laughs> there's no keel. Turn and move and. And what was the temperature? Oh, that day it was it was pretty warm. It was about 24, and the water was probably not much better than that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so sometimes you know you're paddling down there, and the stock tanks look, you know, they're all iced up from the water splashing on there. Oh my gosh! And you and and you get wet a bit too then? Oh yeah, especially if you're in the back. We we try to rotate because the guys in the back just get soaked because. <laughs> I mean, the stock tanks were, what, three foot high? So you're not getting in real good, and you get splashed, and so you rotate. <laughs> Does anybody ever bring a bilge pump with or, or something to scoop out water? I mean, I'm my gears are already turning about the competitive part of it. Like, how could I make this better to win? How did you guys finish in that race? We won it. Wow. 15 minutes. What, so what do you win if you win this race down the river? Well, there's a bit of a Calcutta, so there's a little bit of money, but then I got a cup. It yeah. sits right above my sink so everybody can see it. I, I would, too. I'm picturing, like, the Mullen bobsled team here. <laughs> you know, Jamaican bobsled team, that yeah. movie? Yeah. Cool runnings, and now you got guys in uh, cattle tanks going down the river, freezing, and you can win a cup. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It was kind of like back in the day winning the wood. Yeah. yeah. It's the same thing. Yeah. Ask him how many more times money. he entered that tank race. That was it. <laughs> <laughs> I always go out on top, just like a comedian. So if you're listening right now, we got Zach Cox on board. Uh, I, I would encourage you to comment on this, and I'm going to ask you a question. Um, if we get enough positive comments, maybe we'll consider it. Should Jason Durham go to Mullen, Nebraska, and race in a cattle tank? Comment, and uh, we'll we'll see if we can fund this project, and, and we'll go pro him up, and we'll, we'll have him go down there and do this. That would be I would awesome. highly 
encourage you to comment. If that's <laughs> if if those are the spoilers, I will I will definitely do it. Oh my gosh! So we talked to your brother Tristan. Um, he said he's a way better ice angler than you. Yeah, um, in fact, no, he was kind no, of he gloating didn't. a but, little uh, bit. But we should ask that question. Who's the best? Who's who's better? I don't know. I'd say he's pretty good. The reason he's pretty good because I'm always drilling the holes. <laughs> He's got more hours fishing than I do. Yeah. Well, well, you know, you're older. It's kind of like when, when I would go with my dad when I was young. He would drill all the holes. And now it's nice for me because I'm at the age, and I'm not that old, but I, I should say my stepsons are old enough now they can drill the mm. holes. But probably kind of the same for you. I, I bet you remember, Don, when it got to the point that the boys were drilling. And Absolutely. you didn't have to do that anymore. But, but what I noticed changed, and you do too, you guys both do, is uh, when we started we still had the old motor on top of the auger. Yeah. You were packing around the Strike Master Jiffy 30 pounds. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, well, these guys started, you know, we're down to K drills and, and uh, clam plates on top of their auger. So, yeah, 11 pounds and they're cutting holes. So it's not quite the same. You probably get the most fishing in, Absolutely. which is how it should be. Absolutely. You yeah. know, I remember when I started ice fishing, uh, we bought a Mora hand auger. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it was amazing how fast you could cut a hole through the ice. And I was laughing with Dave about this last week when we were chatting. And I didn't realize it for a while that my dad always wanted me to go ice fishing, this and that. Well, I realized shortly after that, hey, wait a second, I've cut every hole in the whole season. <laughs> I've banked every fish trap. And, and he's fishing, you know. So, uh, you know, that's the nature of the beast. So, so you cut the holes, Tristan. So it sounds like you'd be a good fishing guide. Yeah, maybe. I, well, I have four kids, so I'm, I'm getting to that point. I, I'm good at baiting hooks and unhooking hooks out of gloves. So yeah. So your dad, your dad's an accomplished ice angler, right? We've we've talked about that a little bit through his career. Uh, I know he's taught you a whole bunch. What are some things that your dad, uh, being the oldest son, taught you that you've taken to heart and you've taught your kids? Um, probably not hanging out in a hole too long. Finding yeah. the fish, locating the fish, and uh, I don't know. I don't know if it's because uh, it's made me a better angler, but it's for me. It's the puzzle. I enjoy it a lot more. And it's not just the big fish. It's all fish. Figuring out a pattern, figuring out the puzzle of each lake, because each lake's different, you know. Yeah. And that's something I hope I can hand down to the kids. It's not oh, I got the big fish or whatever. It's enjoying everything that goes with that. It's the chase. Yeah, yep. that was the chase. The full story. Right. You know, and, and there is a lot to be said about that. I think it gets lost in the minutia at times because we think about big fish. Mm-hmm. You know, the big fish are what you see on Facebook, right? The big fish sure. are what you hear about. And, and that's human nature. And that's never going away. Right. right. No. You know, but I think what people sometimes don't comprehend, and it might even, even we at times, is all the pieces, the puzzle that's put together to get to that big fish. Right. Right. You know, do we ever go out there and just catch big fish? Never. Never. I mean, you have that one or two days a year where it's like, my gosh. But even as as the ice team, even if you brought Dave Gens over here right now and asked him that question, do you just go out and catch big fish? He'd say, not a chance. No, not a chance. So there's a puzzle to be played. Jason was asking Tristan a bit about fishing in Nebraska, and he was talking about conditions and all that kind of stuff and the snow you get. Maybe you want to touch on a little bit about how you're targeting these fish. You know, maybe down to the, the systems, how it differs from what we do here um, 
I mean, we're right now we're here in South Dakota, but northern Minnesota, right? Uh, what's the difference? It might be a good dialogue uh, between Jason and, and Zach about the differences on how you target these fish. Let's, let's, let's say bluegill. Sure. Uh, and conditions have a lot to play in it. For Since we don't get a lot of snow and we deal with a lot of glare ice, it's actually to our advantage because what we're doing is we start hunting bubbles. You start finding bubbles, you start finding weed edges, or you start finding holes inside of weeds, and you start drilling on that, and you try to pull those big bluegills out of the holes or on the edges. Hunting bubbles. Hunting bubbles. I like that. Yeah. I've, I've never heard. Mm. I, I see a lot of bubbles. Really? Yeah. I, I'm, I'm walking past them sometimes. Shame on me. So, yeah, expand on that. So you're looking for weeds. You're fishing fairly basinless or a featureless bodies of water, and you're looking for that structure. Right. And, you know, most of our lakes are pretty shallow, so, you know, you might be out in the middle of the lake fishing six foot, and it could you find this one deep weed bed. Yeah, a good cabbage bed right there, clear out in the middle that nobody knows about. Yeah, and you lose it as soon as you get the snow, so if you can figure out these lakes early, that's sure. why early ice is really important to us, figure out where those weed edges are and start working them. Sure. And I'm guessing there's times where, because of the shallow water, um, that you could just walk out and you can visually pinpoint some of that vegetation oh yeah yeah that's what we're up to yeah so uh, when you do that when you when you stumble upon an area like that are you marking it on a gps are you just going okay here's about the spot i'm gonna find this old hole in a month from now or how you going about it yeah um we have some gps but most of the time it's between that post and this tree and (laughs) you're still going old school on it and that's okay there's nothing wrong with that yeah i mean for the most part our you know we're only fishing five six hundred acre lakes i mean you get really familiar with the lake really fast. Within one day, you can have a general idea of the lake, but for the most part, it's with with four boys, you can cut up a lake pretty quick. Oh, you I can bet. cut up six hundred acre lake and figure it out. Yeah, I bet. Do you ever do you ever take boats out there, open water, and kind of scan around and find structure before the lake freezes? We try to, but I make them work. Yeah, we don't have much time in the summer sure. to summer to fish. Yeah. So yeah. how do you fish? How do you what are you using? Like what type of lures, what type of system? Do you have to downsize your line a ton? Are these fish finicky? Actually, how is that game played? We, uh, we use a little, we use between a three and five pound test. And the reason we do that is because these bluegill, you know, you're trying to keep them out of the weeds. It's when you thump them, they're wrapping around weeds and you got to hoist them out. So, I mean, I, I like the shorter rods just for sight fishing and I have, a pretty good backbone and get those guys up and out of there because I've lost more fish to pencil reeds and coontail than anything else. So if you're able to sight fish, that water's got to be relatively clear. On some of them, it just it changes from lake to lake. You can go up the valley five miles and you could go from gin clear to, you know, chocolate milk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Spring, spring action is a big factor in our lakes. That's what keeps them alive during the, during the winters. Sure. And so with more springs, you get more turbidity. And you have, I take it, are the springs, um, you know, is it a safety thing you have to worry about with the springs? Or the springs, oh, yeah. they, they open up water, you can see them? Yeah. Sometimes. I mean, yeah, <laughs> sometimes it's just a skim Float over. suit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. That's yeah, we're, we're a strong proponent. When those first came out, I said, we're, all the family got them. Yeah. Well, very, for, very first year. For people that are just getting into ice fishing and, and very, very concerned about ice safety. I mean, everybody should be concerned about ice safety, but what are those details that you're looking for that tell you, okay, I should stay away from this area because there's potentially spring or, or thin ice there? What are you visually seeing? 
you know, I mean, just a different coloration of the ice is a big thing for us. Um, for the most part, and you read uh, your cracks in the ice, your pressure cracks through there, and you can see the variance in those. But then also, just also, you see it a little bit darker ice or something like that. You try to avoid it, but uh, always a spud bar. We yeah. we're, we pack a spud bar all winter long. Yep. And how how thick does the ice get? The thickest the thickest that you're going to see through the season. What's that going to be? Some of the some of the reservoirs we can get up to thirty inches ice. Oh, so driving pickups out there, things like that. They don't allow that in Nebraska. They don't. Oh, right. Okay. No. I mean, on any lake. Nope. No. No. No premies. Nothing. No. Why? Because it's too dangerous. They think. Yeah. Who knows? A- ATV. ATV. Snowmobiles. ATV? Yep. Okay. But no pickup trucks. That's right. interesting. So I never knew that. It's funny yep. you mentioned the the larger line because of the weeds. You know, I've in, I've encountered that a bit at times too because it's no joke like you have no leverage on a pencil reed when it, the lure or fish wraps around it through a hole in the ice yeah right none game over <laughs> and nothing's worse when you hook up to that big crappie or something like that and you can see it right there <laughs> and you can also see your line wrapped around that pencil reed and it's moving every time you pull sticking up through the ice <laughs> yes yeah. what a Sad lot of day. people don't realize about pencil reeds is that there's so many individual fibers that run vertical on them and so you can't just like break through them. Even when they're dead, they're really, really difficult to break if there's, you know, a bend in it or if your line gets wrapped around it. Like open water, really the only way to get off of it is to go right up to it and right. bring your hook straight up the reed. So if you yep. wrap a bluegill around one under the ice and it's just off to the side a little bit, boy, good You're luck. You're in trouble. Yeah. Do, you, do you have some tricks that you use when you do get caught up with one? Yeah, actually, um, if I'm running a little bit stiffer rod, I'll try to reel up to it. Otherwise, I'll try to give him slack, and hopefully he can kind of, if you can get away, and then I'll quick give it a pull, and sometimes you can unwrap him around. And sure. that, that's hard to do. When you can see yeah. that big fish there, and you're like, oh, this <laughs> is a good one, slack. and I am going to let the pressure <laughs> off of my rod and just let it swim away a little bit. And, but a lot of times, it works. Yeah, yeah. Yep. yeah. Bass fishermen do that yeah. on under docks. Sure. They hook a big one, they're like, oh, I'm snake. They'll just like feed line and just give it a few seconds before they break off. And see, and sometimes that fish will find a way out. Yeah, yeah. you know that. That's that's funny. Uh, um, I've seen pictures of you guys on social media fishing in the pencil reeds. Like there, there's pencil reeds all over around you. So just to give our, our listeners and viewers a visual on really how shallow at times you're fishing, and and I and I've been told it's not just bluegill crappie. Like you're catching big pike yeah. up in two three feet of water in the pencil reeds as well. Absolutely. Well, that's where the you know, that's where if you have a predator like a pike in these shallow lakes, that's where the uh, panfish are going to go to hide to get away from the pike. And guess where the pike go? And right in the pencil weeds as well. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, we're in a lot of times, very rarely do we fish more, deeper than seven foot of water in these sandhill lakes. Yeah, that's my, that's my kind of fish. Yeah, it's what awesome. Is, it's fun. What's a big pike out there? My biggest is uh, 37 and a half. That's a big that's pike. That's a big pike. Yeah, yeah, 40 inches is kind of... Kind of where we hit. Those two are big pike. Two and a half foot of water. Yeah, it's wild. You don't fight up and down. It's side to side. Yeah, that's, no doubt. That's I, a lot of fun. I know we got to I gotta watch the time because it's 1042. Uh-oh. Durham's speaking at 11. Um, cutting it close. Like we talked about, we're at the Dakota Angler Ice Institute. We got the Cox family with us joining in. Um, Jason Durham's here. Uh, like I said, one of the beauties of these shows is seminars. We've been going doing a lot of them. We're going to lose Jason here in a few minutes. He's going to go give his seminar. What are you giving it on? Guides, tricks for tricky fish. 
Guides, Ooh. tricks for tricky. Say that three times fast. <laughs> <laughs> toy boat, toy boat, toy boat. No. Don, um, you were you were in a seminar yesterday. You did the pro panel on on Friday, on, or it was on Friday? Friday on, yeah, on Sunfish. Yeah. Yep. 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 Enjoyable. Great yep. crowd. I mean, this this place packs the people in for the seminars. People should. I mean, that that's a huge resource. Mm-hmm. People should take go to those. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, awesome. I don't know. When we lose Jason, we just lose Jason. I'll try to give you an idea. If you're watching, you'll visually see it. Um, and right now we got Zach Cox on here. The oldest, the most wise of the family is what <laughs> I, I'm being told. I'm just prepping myself for each each son to come on to kind of jab him a little bit. Um, so we've learned here that I can communicate to Garrett. Um, you're the best ice angler now. <laughs> we figured that out. You cut the most holes. None of them work hard. Um, <laughs> I think I got the list down pretty solid. That sounds good. Uh, so and we got Durham coming to go tanking. Yeah, and Durham, <laughs> well, comment. Yeah, uh, comment. Do we want to see Jason Durham going tanking in Mullen, Nebraska? Yes, we do. I'll tell you what, I'd come down because can we ice fish at the same time? When, when does that happen? Yeah, it's, uh, I think, the first weekend of February, or March, I mean. Sweet. Yeah, so, there will be sim lakes. Oh, we could do all sorts of things. Zach and I are going to go use... Five pound line to catch giant bluegills in the pencil reeds. You're going tanking. Yeah, I'll be back in about three hours. I <laughs> three hours, because <laughs> I'm so, not paddling hard. So what we're saying is Durham's not going to get the cup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe best thought. dressed. I'm bringing my own cup. <laughs> Durham will get best dressed. Yeah, yeah. That, that seems to. Make I hope sense. they have some side categories like uh, you know most enthusiastic participant or something yeah. like coolest that. costume. Coolest they guy. do. Oh, they, they, do. Yeah. they have coolest costume. That is. They do. That's yeah. a thing. That's yeah, a thing. There's people well, that created you know, in. I can't believe you know. this just landed in my lap. I have to be careful, though, because he may not come back. Like, yeah. he may love it down there so much that we won't have Durham in Minnesota anymore. So uh, <laughs> we, we, we lose our host to tank it. He might become a professional tanking guy and start <laughs> yeah. some kind of league. You don't know. I mean, I wouldn't put it past you. And I've never been to Nebraska. Really? I have, I have a, a ton of guide clients that come up from Nebraska and know a lot of people from there. But I've actually never been to Nebraska. Well, correct, and you've, yeah. you've invited me out numerous times. The oh. hard part is, and this is for everybody that fishes, oh, yeah. ice fishes, does anything in the outdoors, finding time mm-hmm. yep. is yeah. the biggest challenge. Right. Our ice weekends are limited. Yep. So, well, cool, man. I know you got to keep rolling. You've been rocking and rolling. Uh, he's been working nonstop all weekend as well. Uh, I mean, how much stuff you sold. You sold plenty. I can tell by the promo items that are flying out the shelf. So, Thanks, dude. Thank this you. This is awesome. Appreciate you coming. Zach, we'll chat some so more. Thanks, Thank Zach. you, guys. Yeah, keep rocking and rolling. I don't know if this is the time you probably got to roll. Um, you tell 10, me. 1045. 10 I will wait about another four minutes or so. Four minutes. Yeah. It's not five minutes. Yeah. It's not three minutes. It's maybe four, four and a half. Four minutes, and that's just fine. Again, we're at the Dakota Angler Ice Institute. If you're hearing some of that noise in the background yeah. or tuning in right now, um, we got uh, what I'm being told. Um, we're going we're gonna to be joined by another member of the Cox family, and we'll let him get earphoned up because he needs to know off the bat. Um, this, is the, this is the member that keeps, catches the least amount of fish, works the least. We're just kind of prepping what we've heard, I'm just saying. Uh, Don, introduce, introduce your other son. Yeah, so this is the, the third son on, uh, on the totem pole. And Baby. Yeah, this is Garrett, and he, uh, he is the chef. He's probably the smartest one out of all of us. He's, <laughs> <laughs> he's not ranching. He's a chef at uh, Sandhills Golf Course there in Mullen. Awesome. Well, welcome, dude. I don't know if you want to let us know. So you're, you're doing the chef thing. We know you ice fish. I've seen you catch big ones. Uh, you've come to the show many years. Uh, we chat a little bit with Tristan, a little bit with Zach. Uh, we're trying to get Durham to go down tanking. Oh, there we go. So we, we, we're, we're really pushing. So we're telling all of the viewers and listeners to comment if you want to see him do that. 
uh, we'll try to pull it off. Uh, we learned a little bit about fishing, talking this and that. Uh, maybe tell a little bit of your story. How did you get involved in fishing? What were some, some of your fondest memories as a kid? Uh, we asked kind of the similar question to Tristan and Zach. That really got you jacked up to do this ice fishing thing. Oh, um, say probably one of the most fond memories was going up to uh, Smith Lake. That was, I mean, that was, uh, we went out and. Uh, How big a bluegill did you catch there? Uh, was it 11, 11 and a quarter inch bluegill up there. Crappie were thick as thieves. I mean, I remember using the first time I ever using the hand auger and was it 10 inches of ice? <laughs> 11 and a quarter. How old were you? Oh, six, six years old. Six. You got 11 and a quarter inch gill. Yep, they were right. ruined right away. You know, yeah. there's some people that just stop fishing at that <laughs> point. They go, I already did what I needed to do. Have you caught one bigger since? Nope. I've had some close. I hit and just pushing that 11 inches, but never that 11 and a quarter. Wow. So for our listeners, like, I don't know how many people measure their fish, right? And this isn't a jab at anyone. Um, this is just the truth. A lot of people don't measure their fish a ton, right? They say, oh, I caught a one pounder. I caught a 10 inch. I hear different terms, five pound bass. I caught a five pounder. Right. If you truly measure all of the bluegills you catch, you will know how big an 11 and a quarter inch bluegill mm-hmm. is. Exactly. It is a freak show fish. It is, it is an anomaly. It really is. It's, it's an upper one, one-tenth percent fish. And you caught one, <laughs> you were six, <laughs> and that's how you push the ball down the hill. Yeah. And, you know, growing up, we always went to the, all the tournaments with Dad, or with Dad and it's been – you just going and watching everybody, meeting everybody. That kind of was a really big uh, eye-opener for it all. And then bringing it back to the Sandhills in Nebraska, I mean, that was huge. And sure. seeing the class of fish that we have out there, it was absolutely amazing and brought a whole new understanding of what we have and what we're able to produce out there. So you took the information uh, on the road, call it, and brought it back home. And we talked a little bit with Zach about putting the puzzle together. We talked about how, how he's fishing in the Sandhill areas or, or the surrounding areas and how he brings the whole puzzle together. And it's a unique perspective you bring because you say, I learned some of these pieces outside of my area. I brought them back and utilized them to catch more fish. That's and the, outstanding. And the learning curve was so quick. I yeah. mean, it, from, from what we were used to before social media, before Dave Gantz and the Trapadax and what he could spread around the country, you know, from, from where we started – fishing to what these boys got to experience and that growth curve was huge and, and you did allude right away that this is the smartest of the kids yeah exactly so that yeah. does, that, that <laughs> does make sense <laughs> well no. garrett i got i got to leave in just a minute to go do a seminar but i got a couple questions for you one was well i, I actually have one question and one comment and the comment is you are so blessed you are so blessed to have don as your dad that you know got in with some of the greats in ice fishing right away that has been so successful in fishing that, you know, you saw his success and that was just kind of the expectation. Mm-hmm. Then when we go out, this is what we do. And this is how we catch fish to have a mentor like that. You are incredibly blessed. The second thing I want to know about is this whole chef business. I like to eat. I'm a big fan of food. <laughs> I mean, obviously. And, uh, how, you know, how did you find your passion for that? And did your mom play a role in that? You know, we've talked about boys and everything and, and all the boys, but where's your mom fit into all this, the, all the pieces of the puzzle? Oh, yeah. No, mom was definitely a huge, uh, she had a huge push on it. Uh, it but uh, a lot of it, actually, we have a friend from Italy. She'd come out a couple times a year, or a couple times within a few years, and she 
did this traveling cooking classes. She come to the U.S. and we ended up meeting up with her, and we did some classes in Mullen, and that kind of got me got the the ball rolling there. And then mom, she always loved cooking. Di- all sorts of different dishes. There well, was, she had to. There was all of us to cook right. for. I can't <laughs> imagine the food bill at the Cox house growing up. Well, well you know, you understand. I don't know. I've seen all three of your boys. <laughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't wrestle any of them. Uh, and, and, then, and then we'd have hay help also in the summertime. We'd have extra help. So she was always cooking. Yeah. But uh, this Gisella, that uh, the Italian friend of ours, they actually just had a cooking class again. What was that? Last, Last week. weekend. She, she was back from Italy. Okay, sure. I got to stop you right there. Is there any chance whatsoever that she can come out and give a cooking class about the time the cattle tank races are taking place? Because <laughs> if I can do all this in one trip, You're my gosh. Well, Durham just heard Italian named Giselle and asked if she's... <laughs> <laughs> No, I, I was thinking Italian food. Solely. Oh, well, she's 82, so. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> but, but my Just wife. Just a hair or two old. So she's yeah. got a lot of experience cooking food. That's yes, somebody she does. that's, I would yeah. love to learn from Oh, her. I can't imagine. And actually, she was here because my wife, Deb, his mother just started a pasta business. And she was, instru- Gisela was instrumental and Garrett was instrumental in, in bringing that pasta business online. So Outstanding. Mm-hmm. So wait a second. Deb's got pasta for sale right now. Absolutely. Yeah. How do we not know about this? I don't. That's that's why I'm loving this that we get to sit <laughs> yeah. down and talk about these things. We're always talking fishing at the shows. Yeah. We don't get to hear about Deb's pasta. What, what's what's the brand? Saviatos. Yeah. Yep. And and where can you get this? Yeah. Uh, online. She has a Facebook page. Uh, she has a website, Instagram, Twitter. Saviatos. How do, how do you spell that? Is it S A B B? A T I O S. Yep. We'll put we'll this put a like we'll put a link. Bee, the Cox we'll, family spelling. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll put a link on on the YouTube page and when we post this on Facebook so people can see that because I didn't know that. Yeah. My dad is like obsessed with Italian food. Like he's a pretty good cook, self taught. Cool. That he would probably be on that website tomorrow. Cool. And I know a lot yeah. of people just obsessed with pasta. Well, boys, I I got you got to run, I gotta run. You were you got a seminar in seven minutes. Well, that's fine. Yeah. It's not You're a, slow, though. It's, not, it's a ways away. It's not a big commute across the <laughs> arena. I, I just want to thank both of you guys and all the Cox family for being here and, and, and for being part of our team, too, and educating other anglers about ice fishing. Thanks so much. Yeah. Thank the you. The man, brother. Yeah. Thanks, Durham. So we're losing Durham. Uh, don't worry. We're not losing him for good. Uh, he's be doing podcasts, tune along uh, to Jason and his stuff. So good luck, Jason. Yep. I know you are make it happen. Um, so we're here joined with uh, with Garrett Cox, the the youngest. Uh, we learned he's an expert chef. We got to chat a little bit of fishing uh, as well. So we talked a little bit about strategy and how you're catching fish, let's say, in Mullen, Nebraska, and this and that. And and Zach talked about things, too, about he's learning. So you take some of these skills you learned and you brought back to Nebraska. Do you find yourself using these skills you learn on your Nebraska lakes when you're going someplace else? Oh, yeah. And being effective. Oh, yeah. It's, Find yourself having an advantage? I Yeah, I definitely see an advantage in there, especially when you start finding those fish that are more are being more fickle or they're more on edge. And so with the Nebraska fish, you're sitting there and having to work out, well, these fish are not coming in or they're not liking this presentation, or you're having to be real, have to finesse them a lot. And that's a lot of Nebraska fish. I mean, you have to finesse them almost like Okoboji. Sure. Just the size might be a little different on what jig you're using or line, but I feel like in a lot of Nebraska fish, you are having to finesse them or work them at a different 
standpoint opposed to some other lakes that you fish outside of Nebraska. Sure, sure. So you're using so in Nebraska. I know you mentioned other than line and things like that. So what you're referencing by that is in Nebraska. Uh, you're probably using a little heavier line because I know it sounds like you're fishing around a lot of cover yep. where you can break off. Where if you're doing the Okaboji thing, for listeners referencing, you're probably down to one pound fluorocarbon. Jigs, you can't see it. I mean, Don's laughing. He knows you fish tournaments on Okaboji. Yeah. We have a joke, and whether it's against Pat Smith, right? You guys all know Pat. Get your dabble down. We'd always joke like we'd actually reference it's tough as Okaboji bluegills. Yep. And that's a, just a general term. And I still get people that raise their brow like, what does that mean? You can't catch them. <laughs> <laughs> There's no way to describe it. You just have to experience it is basically what yeah. it boils down to. Yeah, you get a lot of heartbreaks. Yeah. Because mm, big okay. ones show up and they don't bite any yep. thing. Yep. And so you experience some of that in Nebraska too? Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah big I, ones come in, they don't bite? Mm-hmm. They give the old, the old side-to-side look and they – Sit there and kind of look, eyeball you through the hole, or they're just kind of come up, look at it, sniff at it, decided, nope, they don't want any part of that. Or they just sit there at the edge of the hole, just sit there and watch you, or watching the jig and just sit there and eyeballing it and never moving. And you can sit there and jig it all year until you're, uh, you know, until you're, you can jig no more. <laughs> so what kind, of, what kind of pressure are they seeing on those lakes? Like, are you seeing, like, I, I guide in the Twin Cities, Minnesota. Like, I go out on the lake on a Saturday, and there's a 1,000 people on some of these Nothing lakes. like that. Nothing so, like, like that. so it's not really – it's not angling pressure that's probably making these fish skittish. It's just they're just in tune with their surroundings that well. Yeah. Yeah, and our problem – with these shallow lakes, so you're only talking a mean depth of maybe three feet. And so when a higher-pressure system rolls through, and that's what he's referencing when they, when they get really finicky, is a high-pressure system will roll through, and those fish will – you know, they'll become very lethargic – Sometimes they'll even run really fast. I mean, they'll be buzzing around the lake, but uh, they're not in an, in an active feeding mode sure. because they can't change the pressure in their yeah. body because they can't go up or down the water column. Yeah, so you're not getting thermoclines. You're not getting any of that right. stuff ever happening in these lakes that like right. you see in some of these larger lakes here. So talking fishing still, you know, obviously we know there's bluegill crappie. We've talked about big pike. What else are, are, are you catching? Or Are there any surprise catches on some of these lakes that – listeners may be shocked about catfish is a big one yeah we've got a reservoir just close and we catch i mean i, I broke my personal best this year with 11 pound 11.62 channel cat ca- channel cat through the ice yeah, yeah. you'd enjoy this yeah i got channel cats all you'd, winter you'd long. enjoy yeah. this they yeah. pod up they pod up under the ice and it's not unusual to have 40 or 50 cats in that in a similar size and you're yeah. catching them because okay. yeah. when we get on like that we catch them but we, i've learned catfishing through the ice when you find them potted up like that, they're wintering holes or whatever, there's a certain amount of them that are stacked like cordwood on the bottom, and they're not eating. Right. And then there's the roamers. Because the misnomer for cats is they're bottom feeders. They eat garbage. Right. That's what everyone thinks. But these cats in the wintertime, they'll suspend exactly. in 30 feet of water, 10 feet below the ice, and they're, and they're alpha predators. They're alpha. Yeah, they're, they're there to eat. Yeah. So you're catching cats down there, too. Uh, anything unique come up a hole like you ever see? Like we, I had a muskrat come up the hole once. You guys get anything <laughs> unique down there that? Oh yeah, stories to tell that people might not believe. Oh, well, we've had muskrats. That um, Smith Lake with your, with your cousin. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, we were sitting there fishing and and. Same thing, muskrat just came up, and that shack could not have flipped over fast enough, and we were both scrambling, just darting off side to side. We could not figure out what the heck was going on. Yeah, that, that, that'll scare you. I mean, I, I've caught one muskrat through the ice in my life, and it was actually on a tip-up. Really? Uh, flag goes up, 
Uh, we pull it in. Uh, I'm like, this is just, there's something moving on it, clearly. But I'm like, it's not swimming like a fish. And I'm like, what did I hook? And it was a muskrat. It tried to take, I had a hot dog, oh, hot yeah. dog on it. And he tried to take the hot dog and he took one treble hook to the paw and one, it, he had it in his mouth. Uh-oh, he was not happy. He, oh, no. And, They're not uh, a happy critter anyway. I was like anyway. 18 years old in high school, and I pulled this <laughs> muskrat out of the hole. But I've seen, like, Keith Cavias, one of our ice team pros, posted a video of one jumping up, and it went viral. He had millions of views, and he's laughing. This muskrat's running around. He's videotaping with his phone. It was all fun and games till it tried to take his walleye laying on the ice, <laughs> and then Keith jumped into action <laughs> real quick. Um so that's pretty cool. I think we should chat a little bit about shows. Uh, I mean, we're at a show right now, Dakota Angler Ice Institute, the final day here, sitting down with Don Cox and, uh, and, his, and his youngest son. We've learned he's an expert chef, uh, chatting, fishing a little bit. But shows, I think it'd be great to give some, some of these listeners tips on shows. Both of you work a lot of shows. You're working in-store events. You're really pushing to educate. You guys do it so well. I think we should share a few tips. You know, we're about to in, in, embark on a bunch more shows. Yep. There's a, this isn't the last show oh, of the no. ice season. Nope. Our listeners are probably going to join some. They may be going to a retail store. Uh, if you had to give our listeners a couple tips on if you're going to a sports show, what should they consider? What do they want to plan for? What are some things so they can navigate a show or a busy in-store to get the most out of it? I would recommend showing up the first day. Yep. That would be the biggest thing I could I could not say much more because of that because in first day you you know there's gonna be they're gonna have what you want and you know you hit that second third day well they might not have that size or they might not have that exact one that you wanted just because I mean they're flying off the shelves yeah. everybody's getting everybody's getting them while they can because you know some places might have it some places might not. So, uh, so buy early. Yeah. If you see something you like, buy it. Yeah. That seems yeah, to be yeah. the trend lately. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, the last three years, it's just been crazy. The, the product that uh, we had, uh, what was it, the uh, X100, mm-hmm. within four hours, they were gone. Yep. And I see Wooten over here right now. He's stocking shelves, stocking yep. pegs. So, you know, we've probably, if I haven't watched this whole thing, but I would imagine <laughs> in the hour and five minutes we've been chatting, we've seen products go and get purchased so so that that's great advice so first day if you're really really hardcore into buying first day because we know a lot of guys and gals that come to these shows they want to talk to people they want to hang out Mm -hmm. they may not buy something and and that's the other thing show up and talk to the people talk to the pros talk to the people i mean just talk fishing right now uh would, there, would it be advantageous to maybe show up without your significant other knowing what you're going to buy? <laughs> that, that's a good idea sometimes. <laughs> yeah, and I've heard, I had a story right away yesterday morning with somebody buying something, and they were, I watched them come out or leave three times with stuff. I'm not talking a little yeah. handful. I'm yeah. talking, like, stuff. I think he bought a, a forward-facing sonar system. I think he bought an auger. And I'm like, holy cow. And, and, and then he walked past the snow dog. <laughs> And he's looking at the snow dog sitting over there, and he's, and he's scratching it. And I think it was his son with him and maybe a son's buddy. And they're like, well, why not? And he goes, you bought everything else. And he, he literally goes, I don't know if I can hide the snow dog from my wife, though. And then he literally jumps into, you know what? I got room at, at, at my warehouse where I work. I could probably fit. So he's already rationalizing how to hide the snow dog. He's already from that, that far away into these. Yeah. Into his motive. So coming early, that's a great tip. Uh, I think we all agree. Be receptive. Ask questions of 
from guys like both of you that are here with jerseys on or whatever because you want to talk fishing. Absolutely. That's, That's what we're here, here for. I mean, you want to sell and get people excited about the stuff they're using and teach them there, but you want to talk fishing. Absolutely. So, so those are some key, some key things. Um, what are some other events there you guys are going to be at, shows or things happening? I know you got a big trip planned. We do. Uh, I know you guys are going to be fishing. I don't know if we want to touch on that a little bit. Sure. So, so we'll take off and go to the St. Paul Ice Show. I think Garrett's going with him, probably Tristan as well. Sure. And uh, shortly after that, we're going to go on a, on a little gallivanta journey, I guess you'd call it. So Dave Gintz, when we were talking about those trap attacks, yep. his, his journey started 40 years ago when he, when he built a trap, and then he had to figure out how to market it. A lot of people understand how Dave was very good at engineering and, and making stuff to sell, but they didn't figure out how to do it. He didn't have social media. Sure. He didn't have a lot of stuff. So he'd take it to places to uh, demonstrate it for people. So on that journey, he was all over the United States. Mm-hmm. We're going to take a little journey ourselves all over the United States. We plan on taking off. And both of you are going? Yeah. Are yep. you excited? Oh, I'm, I'm really excited. Uh, I'm excited. I caught wind of this. I didn't know to what extent and where you're going. I believe you're doing a, a trip from Midwest, call it, to darn near East Coast. Maine. Yeah, you're going as far as you can almost Yep. Um, across the east side of the ice belt, and you're going to fish your way there and back. Yeah, with Dave Gintz yep. and Kathy, and hopefully a couple more can join us. And you'll meet up with some pros along the way, I'm sure. That's that's the whole plan. All these, oh. all this family that Dave has put in place, and you, Matt, all across the ice belt, we plan on meeting up with these guys and fishing with them for a day and or longer or whatever. Yeah, if when you're traveling with Dave, you... You just you're just going with Dave. You just figure <laughs> yeah, it out. Absolutely. And I've learned with Dave that I can only imagine every single bait shop he's going to stop into. You're going to need to mentally prepare yourself that this isn't going to be a ten minute stop. Right. Absolutely. We're going to get stopped by somebody. He's going to talk fishing. You're yeah. going to be along for the ride doing the same absolutely. thing. Um, that's outstanding. I'll tell you what. Like if you're if you're listening to this, you need to follow along with Don and Garrett this ice fishing season. Make sure you make sure you're tuned in with their social media pages. Uh, you, both of you have them. Absolutely. You're going to be yep. posting yep. content. Yep. Uh, is it just the two of you going from the family, or who else is? Uh, we're going to trade out. We have some, uh, I think both Tristan and Zach will make an appearance. Make an appearance here and there. So Okay. Yeah. So make sure you're following along on all their social media stuff because you're going to get to vicariously live through the Cox family as you do this trek with Dave Gens. Like, it's bucket list isn't even an explanation. Exactly. I mean, this is like literally dream come true. Oh, absolutely. Stuff. That's yeah. I mean, it still makes the hair on the back of my neck stand up just thinking about this. Oh. And we're still gonna end up in uh, Cascade, and then our final event will be Craig Oiler's event at the uh, Hooked on Hard Water, yeah. up in uh, Rapid City in the Black Hills. So, so you're gonna yin yang a bit, or z- oh, you're yeah. gonna go from the Midwest to Maine, and then back to Idaho. Correct. We're oh. gonna be busy. You're going to be so. We're we're going to try to document some of this. I've talked with Don a bit on the ice team side of things. We're going to do our best to document some of this stuff, share it with you. But I would encourage anyone listening or tuning in, um, follow along, go like any of their pages that they got going on because they're going to be documenting this stuff themselves. Yep. Um, this is going to be quite the journey. Oh yeah. Uh, and do you have a name for the journey? Uh, we're just calling it DC on ice, DC two on ice. Yeah. Pretty much what so far. Yeah. Unless somebody. Comment on it. See yeah. if you can. Uh, you got a better name? Yeah. yeah. Shoot yeah. us up. Hit us up. Um, so Don does the, the Cascade thing a bit too. Um, and we're probably going to connect with uh, not to let the cat out of the bag. There's going to be a Facebook Live. Oh, really? 
in Cascade. Cool. Uh, so you're Don. I guess Don just found out right now. I kind of volunteered <laughs> him. So when they're out there, we're going to do uh, Drew, who is the mastermind behind this podcast right here. He's kind of made sure it all ticks. Is going to be out there. He was and, there last year. And we're going to go live yep. one evening and do a Facebook live. I think. I think you're out there cool. during a Wednesday. Yep. And and so we're going to really check in. And at that point, you'll be able to ask questions of Don directly on some of the excursions that'll be on the back half of your trip. Right. So Fine. you will have done this epic journey chasing stuff, man. I can't tell. I, I can, I hope for you, Garrett, that you break your PB bluegill. Oh, me too. Yeah. It might me be too. tough, uh, which we've already heard is 11 and a quarter inches. Uh, but I know you're going to be put in front of a few opportunities. I would imagine between here and there and back. Yeah. Dave might've lined Dave Gens might've lined up a little something for a little surprise. Yeah. So we're excited about that. Yeah. So you're going to be pumped up. Uh, I hope, and, and I would assume uh, you're going to do some cooking. Oh yeah. I have a There'll feeling be. you're going to be voluntold to do a couple <laughs> meals uh, and maybe we'll get Garrett back on at some point in the future and we'll do a little bit of cooking of our own, whether it's on the oh, ice. I love fun. cooking. I'm, I'm yeah. big into smoking meat. Uh, I, I'm, I'm not the best at it. I'm not educated like you are, uh, but I think a lot of our listeners like doing that stuff. Uh, fish fries, um, cooking ribs, smoking meat, doing that stuff. We're outdoors men, right? For Outdoor sure. men and women. We like doing this stuff. So, you know, again, follow along with Garrett if you want any, any cooking cooking <laughs> tips. So you don't need to just ask about fishing. You may have heard to pick his brain on uh, a little cooking secrets and things like that. So, again, we're at the Dakota Angler Ice Institute. We're going to wrap this up thing in, in a few minutes here. Now we got Don Cox and all three of his boys has joined us. This is so cool. You know, it, it's important to me to see some of this come to fruition. And I'm not trying to be sappy, but I have three boys and a daughter. I know you have daughter as well. Right? I, I have a granddaughter. 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 I, have one, I have one more son, uh, yeah. the fourth son. Yeah. He's uh, he's busy earning a living. He's a, he is a brand inspector. so Oh, boy. So he doesn't have much time yeah. in the wintertime. Yeah. But, Four kids still. But yep. I love seeing this. And now you're, you're big dudes. Uh, you would kick my butt if we ever got down and dirty, I'm sure. But, like, I got four, four three Absolutely. boys, and it's so fun to see what you've done, Don. Man, it, the whole industry should applaud parents like you, and, and, I, and I mean that with all my heart because, you know, you look around here. I mean, just in front of us right now, here's a young girl here learning from Dave Gens, right? I'm looking in my peripheral. I'm seeing other kids and stuff and the passion for the sport and the ability to now take your passion and pass it on whether it's to your kids or other kids in venues and things like that, I think so awesome. And I find myself, that's become my driving force, is, is to make sure my, my little boy over here helping people catches fish. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, can and, go, and, and can go home saying, I can do this too, right? And the ice is such a great place to do it. I mean, you're not crowded in a boat. If somebody wants to go horse around and play hockey or wrestle each other for an hour and a half, you know, <laughs> they can do that and you're not... <laughs> You're not stuck in a boat yeah. doing it. And that's not just the kids. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, absolutely. Yeah, the adults can definitely do it, too. We still have a game called first to the tip-up gets to pull you, it up. You bet. You bet. And and I think it, it, the competitive edge does not go away. <laughs> no. You may be quicker. You may be faster. But we have little edgy and you know Angles. experience to where you know we may just be standing behind you when the tip-up goes off on purpose. <laughs> exactly. So uh, that's fun. I hope I never lose that. I don't think we ever will. So here we are at the Ice Institute. We're going to wrap this uh, podcast up. I can't thank Don enough. Thank you, Matt. You know, Garrett for coming in. And, and all the Cox boys, they're out here already selling, going crazy. Uh, but I can, again, reiterate, tune in with what they're doing this season. 
You know, it's awesome. Again, we joked at the beginning that people go, oh, they ice fish in Nebraska. You're darn right they do. And I'll tell you what, guys like Don are even traveling the ice belt to go ice fishing. So tune in, follow along. That's the idea behind Ice Team is education, having fun, teaching you new ways to do things, getting outside the box, getting outside our comfort zone so that everybody listening can catch more fish. So on behalf, on, the, on behalf of the Ice Team, here we are wrapping up another episode of the Ice Team podcast. Let's get after it. Have a great season. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, Matt.